Hello once again and welcome to the Aurelius Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Naylor, co-founder and CEO here at Aurelius. What an absolutely delightful chat. I had such a fun time chatting with this week's guest, Denise Jacobs. So this episode is a little different than a lot of our episodes, mainly due to the subject matter, since we focused pretty heavily on the idea and concept of creativity. It's not common ground for us here on the Aurelius podcast, but if there's anyone qualified to speak to how creativity impacts the work we do as researchers and makers of products and services, it's definitely Denise. We discussed the concept of creativity and what that really means. Through the chat, we touched on several related topics, such as how to find your inner creativity through your passions, how to identify your zone of genius, as Denise puts it, and even the dangers of burnout, and how to identify and avoid burnout. We even talked about imposter syndrome and how even people at the highest level of our companies struggle with that voice that is their inner critic. Denise gives advice that can help someone at any level deal with that inner critic to find their power through creativity to do their best work. For me, this episode covered topics that truly do apply to just about anyone who would be listening and is, of course, directly applicable to folks just like us as researchers, designers, and makers of products and services. All of this comes down to the desire of feeling more confident in the decisions you make every day. In our world, knowledge of the customers is what gives us that confidence. And because it's the Aurelius podcast, I have to mention, that's the very reason we made Aurelius, the user research and insights platform for design and product teams. If you're collecting user research and customer feedback now, and you're looking for a way to analyze that faster and easier, or if you have a bunch of research insights and you need that central repository to store it all in one spot so your team can make better design and product decisions based on those real customer needs, I'd invite you to check out our 14-day free trial so you can see for yourself just how Aurelius helps you figure out what you learned from user research faster and easier to create those key insights and nuggets to make awesome designs, products, and features. You can check us out at our website, www.aureliuslab.com. That is A-U-R-E-L-I-U-S-L-A-B.com. Okay, here's episode 24 with Denise Jacobs. Welcome to Aurelius Podcast, episode 24 with Denise Jacobs. She is a keynote speaker and creativity evangelist who owns her own consulting company called The Creative Dose. She's also the author of Banish Your Inner Critic, came out last year. Denise, a very warm welcome to our show. Yay, thank you so much. It thank is you for having me. our pleasure, for sure. And I think we ought to just roll right into it. We were chatting a little bit before we started recording here. Right. Yeah. Banish your inner critic. Uh, get Ooh. motivation. Get after it. Oh, the irony. Yeah. <laughs> you seem you seem to be in a mood today, Den- Denise. Do you I, want to talk I'm, about that? I'm in a, I'm in, I have to admit that I'm in a little bit of a state of of uh, of exhaustion and burnout. I think I think I can officially say that I am a bit on the burnt out side. Mm hmm. Yeah. Kind of not feeling like you're able to get after it, huh? No, nope. Don't, I don't even, I'm get after what? Like I was like, get after my bed. Is that what I'm, I'm getting after sleep? Is that what I'm doing? Yeah. That's, Cause I, I can get after that. Yeah. That, that's, that's the move right there. Yeah. There's proper motivation for that. <laughs> All right. So, so check this out. I think, I think we should dive into that, but before we do, um, 
in the event there's some folks listening to us that aren't really familiar with your work, maybe give us a little bit of background about, you know, kind of who you are, what you're about, and uh, what you've been working on recently. Okay, so I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to start at the beginning. Um, so, <laughs> and that is, so um, I actually started off um, in kind of in the industry as a front end web developer designer. Mm -hmm. I taught web design and web development at a community college in Seattle for almost five years. Moved to Miami kind of on a lark because I like this thing called the sun. <laughs> they don't a, have that in Seattle? No, no. It's the, people are like, what is that glowing orb in the sky and why is it warm? Um, and I was like, this is called summertime, you guys. This is, that, this is what's supposed to happen. Um, and so <laughs> I got tired of explaining what summer was to yeah, native Seattle lights. <laughs> and uh, I moved to Miami and then uh, a number of things happened. I decided that I didn't ever want to do project management ever again in life. I uh, also decided that I wanted to write a book and through a series of fortuitous and serendipitous events, I ended up getting my first book deal. I wrote the book called the CS CSS Detective Guide, contributed to several other books, but during the process of writing the CSS Detective Guide, I had this major epiphany about creativity and how creativity was so important, such a huge process for everybody and how it can really feed you and give you energy and tap you into your personal power and basically make you feel invincible and like you can do anything and can really be a huge contributor to you achieving your goals because that was what, what happened to me. And I was like, I certainly, I can't be the only person that this is true for. So I became very, very inspired after that to talk about, to speak at conferences. I already wanted to do that, but to speak specifically about creativity, the creative process, what blocks creativity and how to remove those blocks so that you can get to creative flow and basically be a badass. That's fantastic. There's so many things I want to ask you about on that. Um, so that is my jam. My jam is that. And and so sorry to interrupt you, but just wanted to say, yeah. so my book, Banish Your Inner Critic, is basically the first step of that process, right? The first step of the process is to remove the block that is the inner critic and removing that, silencing that voice allows creativity to flow. And I'm not just saying that on a like, speculative level like oh my god like if you just totally silence that voice like then creativity will totally flow it's not like that it is actually scientifically proven <laughs> i love the look on your face uh, <laughs> it is scientifically proven uh several studies uh one notably by charles Lim, who has a ted talk that's called your brain on improvisation, mm -hmm. where he actually sticks people in MRI machines, has a keyboard that they've got that they can play while they're laying down, and he does improvisational jazz with them back and forth, wow. and he monitors what's happening in their brains. Well, what he found is that the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain which is involved with self-evaluation, uh, behavior modification, self-judgment, et cetera, that part of the brain powers down and goes quiet when people improvise, when mm. people do improvisational jazz, when they do improvisation, when they do hip hop, et cetera. That part of your brain is the inner critic. And when the inner critic is silent, that's when you can be creative. 
Oh man, that's super cool. There's so many things I want to ask you. I gotta make I gotta make a couple comments here. I gotta okay. make a couple comments here first, though. Riding the coattails very quickly off of what you just said in hip hop yeah. and stuff like that. I actually just sent a link to my co-founder Joseph today of a freestyle from Action Bronson that literally twisted my psyche in half. Mm-hmm. And so that guy clearly had uh, no prefrontal cortex happening. Yeah. At the he time. was like, he was like, shut up, prefrontal cortex. I got work to do. Yeah, I Watch think this. I think he may have had some help too, if you know what oh. I mean. But yes, I do know what you mean. <laughs> but and you know what? If you need a little extra chemical, herbal assistance to it works. achieve <laughs> certain things, you know, it works. It's legal in some places. That's true. People, people have other legal ones that are like liquid version that's true that's so, very true whatever yeah whatever but i personally i like to be high on life personally that's good and uh and so i i, I like to get my i like to get my uh prefrontal cortex shut down naturally awesome yeah awesome <laughs> the other comment i was going to make is uh unfortunately i can relate more to your former seattleites i'm basically a vampire however okay. mm-hmm. uh i do i do enjoy the sun right now we have Whenever, whenever you, the listener, are listening to this, it is actually very beautiful and sunny in Minneapolis today, and we're grateful for that. But that's not what we're here to talk about. No. You mentioned creativity. Yeah. How do you, I got to ask, I want to just like slice right through it. How do you define, define. creativity? How do you know what that is for you, right? Because I got to believe, I mean, we see these people who do these things, and it's like maybe very artistic or very expressive. We're mm-hmm. like, oh, that person's very creative. It doesn't sound to me like that's necessarily what you're talking about. That's not exactly what I'm talking about. Very, very astute observation. Basically, um, one of the ways that I like to define creativity is bringing something new into being that didn't exist before. Okay. Uh, And that could be a line of code. That could be a play. That could be a book. That could be a podcast. That could be a conversation, <laughs> right? That could yeah. be a party. I mean, it could be a lot of things. Creativity isn't limited to art. And I think that is one of the great myths that need to be bust, busted in our society today, that creativity equals art. Creativity does not equal art. Art involves creativity, right? Making yeah. of art is part of the creative. Creative process goes into making art. But the creative process goes into a lot of things. It goes into surgery. It goes into science. It goes into, I mean, name something, accounting, <laughs> finances. I mean, seriously, politics. Enough said. Not even going to go any go any farther than that. But yeah. creativity is basically when you're like you're bringing something new into being. Cooking. I mean, so many things involve creativity, and so I often say to audiences when I'm speaking to them and in in articles and in books, et cetera, that I say, it's not about, the question is not, are you creative? The question is, how are you creative? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not about like you sitting around, you know, like, you know, scratching your head and navel gazing and going, oh my God, am I a creative person? Nope. That's like, let's, shift reframe the thinking the thinking is where you say how am i creative and then usually i say to people look if you don't know how you're creative then look to when you're in flow 
When are you in flow? When do you lose time? When do you like sit down and do something or stand up and do something or whatever and five hours goes by and you forgot to eat and you forgot to use a bathroom and you didn't care about anything but the thing that you were working on, the thing that you're focused on. That Mm -hmm. is most likely where you're creative. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, I'm curious, are you are you also quoting some of this too from the famous book flow? Is that has that influenced your um, work? Certainly has. Um, you know, I, I I mean no disrespect at all to Mihai Chismahai. I, I have I mean no disrespect to the man, but those books but I read Flow and I read a little bit of creativity, but I did read Flow almost cover to cover and it's not the easiest book to get through. It's dense. I found it dense. I'll just jump it's in and dense. say it. It's dense and it's kind of pedantic for a lack of a better word. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, good. So you're, you're with me on that. Yeah, I agree. So, um, but I love, I love the man. I love his, I love his concepts. I love this Ted talk. I mean, he's, he's with the program. Like we are, we're like, you know, he's dialed in, but, but, uh, the book is it's kind of a hard read, but again, people might say the same thing about my book because my <laughs> book is incredibly dense too. So God bless. You know what? Yeah. No, again, Nika, you know, it takes he, all he kinds. Throws the, throw, throws the first stone, etc. Glass houses, blah 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 blah. Yeah, he he who so, first lives in a glass house, whatever. Throws the first stone, or <laughs> very small rocks, or will it? Yeah. Float? all right i want to go back to this creativity thing though and this in the state of flow no you don't need to apologize um yeah okay um all right so let's see here creativity uh it is it is the act of making something new i love that definition and then i would i would even call it bringing something it's not even like because making might even be too Mm. limiting but yes continue with what you were saying okay yeah, yeah, I think I got I, I got where you're going with that. Um, mm-hmm. But then you talked about this idea of like this flow, or like when do you lose time and when are you? Mm. That starts to sound to me like what some people might call passion, what their passions are. Okay. Right? And I'm just kind of curious: Have you come across this? Where is it? Is it a distinction that we should make between passion and creativity? Does it matter? I don't. I don't think it matters. I'm kind of like any way you can get there, get there. Okay. You know, but the point is to get I, I in my mind and this is one of the things that that Chismahai says in his book is that or one of the things that he at least alludes to is that when you're in that state of flow it is basically when this is kind of my paraphrasing of it is is when you're the most powerful mm-hmm. is when you are in the most powerful kind of version of yourself that you can be. And the irony is, if you think about it, the irony is, is that you become the most powerful version of yourself basically by losing yourself. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in flow, you actually lose your sense of self. You don't think, then that's one of the reasons why it's so amazing is because you're not self-judging, you're not self-critical, you're not hyper aware of what you're not worried about what other people think. It's all you care, like your main focus is achieving that task or like continuing this, you know, seeing this thing come into being somehow. Yeah. And I know, right? It's deep. I love it. That's what we yeah, try you're... we try to get to that on this show. I love it. I love that you went right there. Yeah, because that's that's how I get down. 
I'm glad that's the way you get down. That's why. That's why. That's why you're here because that's how we get down. That's how. We, that's how we get down. You know, and let me just let me just say too, as a quick aside, I'm very very happy that you're able to pronounce his name because because <laughs> I could not remember the pronunciation of uh, of his name. So thank you for saving me on. That. I probably bludgeoned it, but I had a friend who I had a buddy who was Hungarian, and I was like, "Say it again, yeah. okay? Say it again." And he was like, basically, like when I heard it, I was like, "So basically, it's kind of like." The first, first his first name, and then his like his last name, like is like the end of it is the same sound, roughly speaking, as his first name with like a chitz. You could have said something else, but mm. you know. And I was like, okay, I'm just I'm gonna go with it. And then you say it fast enough, and people are gonna be like, oh my god, she knows how to pronounce his name. Yeah. Just don't stumble. Yeah. Don't stumble. Yeah, that's the trick. Seventy percent how you look, ten percent exactly. of what you say. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just well, say it with confidence. The, the shameful part of that, though, Denise, is that I have a great deal of Hungarian background <laughs> in my That's in my hilarious. ethnicity, and I can and I've got and you got me licked on that front. So uh, so whatever. I mean, if you're wrong, it doesn't matter. You said it confidently, and so as far as I'm concerned, you're right. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So so this is this is good. I am curious, um, and I'm sort of asking on behalf of people maybe listening to this, like how do they identify? what what their power is right so we're talking about like creativity is this power this sense mm-hmm. of power that we feel this sense of flow mm-hmm. H- how do people figure that i mean because maybe some, some people are sitting there and they're going that sounds awesome but i don't know if i know when i feel that like how do you identify that i think it's just it's a it's really a matter of of tuning in like being aware like if just have having those moments where when you have when you do have them they might be few and far between because you might not be operating kind of in your gene in your genius mm. a lot of people are in that place um and i think that's actually one of the reasons why i'm a bit burned out quite frankly oh. uh which you know we can circle back to that later mm-hmm. you can stick a pin in that and come back to it later um but um but when you're not operating in your genius then it's kind of like being kind of making a commitment to yourself to be on the lookout for those moments when you do have that kind of rush of energy or that excitement Mm. or um that kind of you know it's almost like sometimes people are physical and they can tune into physical sensations and so that like that kind of feeling tingly or kind of amped up or something like that or if something just sounds like if something excites you right where you're just like oh that just sounds like a lot of fun so yeah. okay here we go like game on yeah jump, um, jump after that is what you're exactly, saying exactly exactly and if you are more tuned into it and you know it then it's like just being really aware when you're in that phase and and then just say try to maybe even dissect it. Like what exactly was happening uh, when I when I had this sensation? So for example, in my own life, uh, just recently I had an experience where um, I gave a brand new, I, I did a talk, I did a keynote for um, a private company in Norway. Mm. And part of what I promised them was I promised them that I would do a brand new keynote, like specifically tailored design for them. So we had several conversations with the um, with the um, stakeholders that I was in contact with, with my contacts in the company. And um, 
based on the notes that, that I had then, plus some of the ideas that we kicked around, plus some of the things that they said were important and what they felt that the company needed as a whole, then I, and then also my expertise and my interests as well, kind of where that all met, I basically made a keynote out of all of that. And, you know, at first I was kind of like, I was in that place where I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I kept talking to people and I kept, every time people would be like, what are you going to say? I'm like, well, I was thinking about this and this and this and this and this. And then somebody would say, oh, you should maybe think about this or make sure you tell personal stories. I'm like, right, okay. Um, and then I was like, yeah, well, this happened and that happened. And then the next time I would talk to somebody else completely different, I would say, they would say, well, what are you going to talk about? Well, I think I'm going to talk about leadership and creativity and how. And every time I talked about it, it got more clear. Every time I read an article that said something, it got more clear. And then when I finally sat down to write the thing, it was like, I didn't want to stop. Hmm. I just, I was like, I had, I had like an initial kind of three or four pages of just bullet points, like these concepts and then figuring out how to structure the talk and what the main points are and what names to give it and all this stuff. And I just, I was supposed to meet somebody for dinner and I was like, I'll be, I'll, um, I, I'm just, I'm going to be like a half an hour late because I did want to stop. And when I got up to go and actually go to dinner, I had all my papers out on the table and I was like, I love you. I'll be back. <laughs> goodbye yeah. goodbye my pretties my sweet my <laughs> sweet keynotes i shall return parting from you is yeah. such sweet sorrow yeah so um and so and i had forgotten the thing is is that the moral of the story is, is that it had been so long since i created a brand new keynote mm. i had forgotten how much i actually enjoy the process and i've forgotten that that is part of part of the zone of my genius yeah this is super cool and like taking it to this different level i and as is my normal kind of routine on on our podcast i want to try to mm. take it back out and like distill it and then you tell me if i'm getting this right creativity and your power right mm. i think what you're describing can can best be said as the thing that pulls you away from other things you really love in your life, right? Mm. Like you were having you were having dinner with a friend, and that's obviously something, uh, or at least I assume it was a friend. You were having dinner with somebody. It was like <laughs> <laughs> you were having dinner, so I assume you like dinner as well, right? Uh, <laughs> right? But but you know, I guess you get where I'm going with this, right? It's like there's these other things in your life. There's these other competing forces in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in your creative zone or that power for you, when it takes something that's equally important in your life to sort of wake you up and pull you away. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, that's a definitely a good way to think about it when you when you and and when you feel kind of cheated or robbed for not being able to do it, like almost almost resentful, like I just want to do this one thing. Is that so wrong? <laughs> I just want to make my keynote. Is that so wrong? Sure. You know? Sure. Sure. Um, so you know there's something popped in my head, Denise? Tell me. Is there's a lot of people, right? I think hmm. particularly in the industry we work in, and so just to clarify what that what that is, what I think it is, is like designers, product managers, researchers, marketers, right? Marketers. 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in our industry that feel like they have to be working a lot. But, I, but there's probably a distinction here between, no, this is a thing I want to be doing on a level uh-huh. that is very self-fulfilling. And then there's this like obligation, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is kind of almost the, the difference between a person's day job and their side hustle, sure. right? I mean, a, a lot of times people can see the disparity just in looking at that. If they have a side hustle and it's like, this is the thing that I want to do when I get home from work. Like mm-hmm. I still have enough energy and I'm jazzed and I'm juiced and I want to put put the energy that I have left in the day towards this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, maybe you should look, <laughs> maybe you want to take a look at that, you know? And that's kind of, you know, back to, in a lot of ways, uh, that concept of operating in your zone of genius, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people who, who write about that stuff and, and talk about that st- sort of thing. So it's not any, it's not a new concept, but I feel like it's something that people lose touch with a lot of times. And I think we all need to be reminded about it. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I think that's part of the reason I ask is it just the thought that popped in my head is like, if you're in this creative zone, Mm. in this power zone that's mm-hmm. that's good right yeah if you're in this obligation zone that's actually that can be that can be not. very toxic very quickly it's not cute it's not cute yes yeah, <laughs> is not a cute situation this is not <laughs> this is not a cute zone this is not it's, a cute quadrant that uh-huh, we live in not a good look as the as the kids say it's not a good look it's not lit it's not it on fleek not. it is not on fleek and it's it's not fire yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it's all, it's all of that stuff. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, when you start to, and you know, and so then I'm going to kind of pull this back to this kind of idea of burnout Yeah. when, um, when you find that, uh, so a lot of, I'm obviously now doing a lot of research on burnout, not to mention the fact that it was something that I was planning to write about in my next book. Ooh. Um, and um, and one of the things that is is really common with burnout is that you know you're putting energy and effort towards uh, tasks and activities that don't feed you, right? And that you feel obligated to do, but that you don't really feel joy in. And um, you know, as a business owner personally, there are a lot of things that need to be done in my business. And quite frankly, I'm not a fan. Like I I don't actually want to do that. So, um, you know, my, one of my main things, which is really interesting, you don't, a lot of the stuff that I've read in burnout has spoken so little about delegating and I'm, I'm kind of mystified as Mm. to why. Um, But my solution for taking care of a lot of these things that I don't want to do is to hire somebody to do them mm-hmm. because I don't have to. One mm-hmm. of the reasons that they drag me down is I'm like, why am I doing this when somebody else can do this? Mm-hmm. And I just, I just want to do the stuff that I'm really good at and that nobody else but me can do. Sure. Nobody else can write. I mean, I guess I could hire somebody to write my keynotes, but that's not, that's what I like to do. Like yeah. I like doing so no, you don't get to you don't get to write my keynote. You don't get to design the slides. You don't get to choose the imagery. Okay, like that's my jam. I love that stuff. Right. 
Right. And I don't want anybody writing my books or my articles. Right. Thank you very much. Right. That's good. And I'm, I think uh, having that clarity is something everybody should sort of strive for, right? Like this is this is the things that I want to 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 do and be able to create, to use mm -hmm. your word, right? Like bring new in the world and these are the things that I don't, I don't want, I'm not passionate yeah. about or whatever. Um, I kind of want to, I want to go back to that though hmm. and, uh, and tackle that topic in a little bit different way because okay. there are times that, and so you even described it yourself, like, Hey, I got to do this shit. I don't want to, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm going to bring one of my favorite books is drive by Daniel Pink. I don't know if you've had a chance to read that where he talks about, type I haven't one. read it yet, but it is on my bookshelf of the books that I want to read next. Yeah. And I have carried it with me on the last couple of, business trips thinking that I was going to read it. Awesome. It. Awesome. Well, it's a great book. One of the reasons it's one of my favorites is because it talks about the difference between um, intrinsic and Trinsic, extrinsic, extrinsic motivation. motivation. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. And so I almost wonder about, hey, when there's these things that uh, here, here's what I would posit based on what I hear uh, you mm. talking about, right? Is that this like power zone, this creativity, that's that's intrinsic motivation. Yeah, I, I don't need I don't need rewards and feedback systems on that. So I'm going to do it because I love it. And that's right. Like that's my soul. Mm -hmm. I almost wonder in these things that we got to do that we don't, we don't love the extrinsic, the external motivation, the rewards, the, the levels up, the, the bonus pay, like all that kind of nonsense, whatever it is, right. That actually helps drive that a little bit. Cause it's like, it's in some ways it's not internal creative work to us, maybe how it's defined. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's like, well, I get an incentive for just getting it done. And then all of a sudden I've got this sense of accomplishment because there was an external uh, driver for that sense of accomplishment. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on that. I mean, especially with the work that you do, right? Okay. So, um, so there's, there's a couple of things that I want to say to what you said, and I'm, I hope I heard you correctly. Sure. Um, so the first thing that I would say is that one of the ways that I like to think about um, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation is what I want to do versus I should do, mm. right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I want to say that I think uh, potentially um, goes against one of the things that you said is that just because it's intrinsic motivation doesn't mean that you don't have that reward and system and feedback loop going. I think one of the reasons why the, the intrinsic motivation grows is because you've got a positive feedback loop for that. It feels good. A lot of times you do good work and then people see it and they like it and it feels good and you do good work and people see it and they like it and it comes back to you and it's a total positive reinforced reinforce you know reinforcement feedback loop. Yeah. yeah. Um and so want to do want to do can stand on its own without any internal uh, i'm sorry external kind of input mm -hmm. but i think more often than not the reason that the feedback loop is the 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 motivation is so strong is because you get positive you get some kind of positive reinforcement from it either sure. by the sensations that you have or the feedback you have or both yeah 
Yeah, so, yeah. So put that so, in your bonnet and think about that. <laughs> put my put that in my pipe and smoke it. <laughs> so okay. So so to summarize, what what you're saying is like that uh, that feedback loop probably can or should exist, whether it's internally driven or externally driven. I think I think that the feedback. I think that one of the reasons. Let me let me clarify. Sure. I believe that one of the reasons that you've got in some ways that some of the things that you are internally motivated to do, sometimes the internal motivation is so strong because the feedback loop itself is so strong. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right? Like it feels so good to do it. Yeah. And then you do something. So for example, um, I have a crafting habit mm-hmm. um, or a artisanal, like art, artisan streak. And so I make earrings mm-hmm. and I make jewelry. And I started making earrings because <laughs> I started making earrings as a way to um, kind of stem frustration from the writing process okay. because the writing process is like one of the things I like tangible results. I like to see, you know, as a designer and person who makes podcasts and things like that, I'm sure like you have the conversation, but then you have the recording and you're like, I did this thing, mm-hmm. right? You put the music on the front and the back and the intro. And you're like, I have this product, this thing that I made, right? I'm, I've got Aurelius. I'm making a product that's going to do something that other people are going to use. I'm not just making it just to sit on my computer and do nothing. Right. 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 Um, it's not just a bunch of lines of codes. It actually a bunch of line of codes that actually does something. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, I don't know if you've ever written a book or written a long essay or anything like that, but when you're writing it and you're just writing a bunch of words and everything, and then you finish a chapter and then you've got this, for me, it was like, I had a word doc and I'd send the word doc to my editor and then it would be like off in the ether. And then I'd write another one and I would be like, and I print them out because I needed something to show me that I'd done it. Yeah. Because otherwise it's like I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours with nothing tangible to show for it. So yeah. I started making earrings kind of in earnest first in 2009 because it was like it was something I could do with my hands and all this and and I could have this like very tangible outcome. Well, I realized at the second book. I had the same thing kind of midway in the process where I was like, all I want to do is make earrings. Is that so wrong? Right. And then I had writer's block or what felt like something akin to writer's block. I hired a writing coach and she said, okay, you've got like a limbic system takeover going on. You're basically, you're freaking out and your fight or flight system is super highly activated. She's like, what's something that you could do with your hands? like something basically creative that you could do with your hands that, that you would really like to do. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I just want to make earrings. And she was like, (laughs) go make earrings. And I was like, are you serious? I got like a deadline and every, she was like, Nope, Nope. She was like, we're going to talk in like three hours. Go make earrings before we talk. Go get them. earrings. Yeah. And I made, I made a pair of earrings and afterwards I talked to her and I was like, Oh my God, I feel so much better. She was like, how's your limbic system doing? I was like, I just feel happy and good. So there's this whole relationship between making things with your hands and, and calming your brain down and being able to access creativity. Um, 
And so I have this kind of artisanal thing going on and I like to do this. And so now it's like I make these earrings and I make them because they're beautiful to me and I love them. But then I post pictures of them on Instagram mm -hmm. and on Facebook and people are like, oh my God, those earrings are amazing. Can I buy them? Where do you sell them? And so then that's part of that feedback loop yeah. where not only does it actually feel good, it like physically and mentally feels yeah. good to make them, but then to have the positive reinforcement for people who are like, those are beautiful. I'm like, I know, right? Like they're super nice. Right. <laughs> right. You didn't know that I turned into like a valley girl after I made my right. earrings. I knew, right? right. Um, so, so do you, do you see what I'm saying? I like, completely do. This is, this is such a wonderful and like intricate insight that mm -hmm. I personally can relate to in a lot of different ways. And I've talked to people about this. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think for me, what just, what just dawned on me is for me, it's like yard work and housework. Mm -hmm. What seems like chores to a lot of other people, I love and I take a ton of pride in like, you know, staining the fence and cutting the grass and like trimming it so that it looks great. And you can move in anytime, <laughs> anytime. Well, so, you know, and, and the thing is, and the thing is, is like, um, so, you know, every once in a while, my, my wife will just do it, right? She'll just like, she'll be like, oh, I mow the grass. Don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about it this way. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you mow the grass? Like, no, that's my thing. Like, that's that's what I'm supposed to do. And it's not, and I never was able to really articulate why I was like, no, 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 I want to do that. She thinks I'm just a crazy perfectionist, which is also partially true. Huh. But but it's more, I just realized it's, a, it's that outlet for me. It's like, it's a mm -hmm. thing that I've done physically that uh -huh. I can physically see the results of that's this outlet for me to say, yeah, yeah, I could sit back and enjoy that. Uh -huh. And now I can go back to this other like mentally taxing. Mental. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And it's like, it's physical, you move, you do stuff. It actually, um, uh, if you want to kind of like geek out for a moment with some neuroscience, um, generally speaking, Tasks like that, repetitive, um, mindless tasks and mindless activities actually helps your brain go into alpha brainwave mode and is basically the, the mode of your brain between beta and theta. And it's kind of what I like to think of as the gateway to creativity. Mm -hmm. So it's when your brain starts, um, your brain waves start slowing down. It's when your um, the hemispheres of your brain actually start syncing with each other and connect with each other and communicate with each other better. And so it probably not only do you like it because you get a sense of uh, accomplishment and like visible, tangible results, but it probably also helps your brain relax enough so that you can problem solve things subconsciously yes. so that when you get to working again, you've got more clarity. Yes. This is such a, this is such a big deal, right? Because we've read about this stuff where mm -hmm. there's a lot of study. I mean, and, and, and as you've mentioned, yeah. scientifically backed studies that tell us your best work actually happens outside of work, right? Mm -hmm. So what should actually happen? And I don't know why we suck at this right now as organizations and teams is we that what, what should happen is you should be presented with this very complex, gnarly, hairy problem. And then you should go for a run or you should right. go and put away the dishes like uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Joseph, our CTO here likes to do, that's his state of flow where he just gets this like physical satisfaction mm -hmm. out of it. Right. Or you, or you drive, 
right? right? A lot of people. Oh, driving's the best. Yeah, because it's like your your mind is active enough to basically keep you alive in a hurtling <laughs> can of metal down the highway. Mm-hmm. But 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 enough brain power to be churning on these problems that we're tr- that we should be trying to solve, right? It's not mm-hmm. when you're sitting at a desk. It's not when you're in a meeting. It's when mm-hmm. you're yes in this almost like active passive state. I don't know. You probably have a better way of putting that. Um, I had it and it like fleed it, flit through my mind and then it left. And so I'll you know hopefully it'll it'll make appearance again yeah. sometime. <laughs> Good Hyp- <laughs> hypnagogic state actually is Hip- what I hypnagogic state yeah hmm interesting i think it's i think hypnagogic is the way that it's pronounced or hypnagogic i think is also you could say okay okay yeah look look that up it's basically that like when you're in kind of lulled into a relaxed state where you're awake and aware and conscious but you're not necessarily thinking of anything usually kind of um like if you're in a boat and you're kind of rocking in a boat or if you're walking and you're kind of daydreaming or something like that, I believe that is a hypnagogic state. Yeah. Because science. Fuck yeah, science. (laughs) Fuck yeah, science. All right. Let's zoom it back out because we've been meaning to circle back to this, Mm. right? You're in a mood. You're in a mood. So it's like, we're talking about this and we're talking about the recognition of it and like knowing when you're there. How do mm-hmm. how do we how do we get there when things are not really the way we want them to be? And maybe maybe sh- you know, if you're willing, share a little bit about kind of where you're at right now and and how you're going to how you plan to bring yourself out of it. Um so yeah, so um where I'm at right now is I kind of just mentally exhausted. Um for I'm happy to share this um, early in the year in February, kind of right around the mid part of February, uh, we got a call from my mother and I found out that my grandfather had passed mm-hmm. away. He was 93 years old and lived alone. My grandmother passed away in, in 2012. Um, and um, he was very devoted to her. He was her primary caregiver. She had had, um, diabetes and was blind from diabetes and then ended up having dementia and he took care of her until she ended up passing until she went into hospice and um so you know he's like was living in his house and he lived in Detroit they lived in Detroit and um so anyway then my mother was very close to him and so she called and she was like okay so Lowe's died and we, she was like, I need to go handle it. And I was like, well, I promised you that I would help if something like that happened. And so I don't have anything scheduled. But thankfully, I didn't have any keynotes scheduled until April. Um, and so I went up there and I thought I was going to be gone for two weeks and I was gone for five weeks. Mm. Um, and basically, I don't know if you've ever, um, cleaned out the house of a grandparent when they pass away but it's basically like you're going through 60 years of one or two people's stuff yeah and um and it's just was constant cleaning constant managing of stuff and arranging the funeral and all this stuff and it was 
just and then my mom ended up getting the flu part way through it and so it was just an exhausting process and uh then i came back at home at the end of march and basically like had 10 days before like all my keynotes started mm-hmm. and so um so i mean kind of long story short i've traveled pretty much every week in april and the last half of it i went to norway was there for six days came back for seven days and then went to spain was there for six days and came back and so i came back last tuesday and the long short story of it is is that i am as i said when we were talking before one tired black woman So when I think about it like that, you know, like I have these moments where I'm like, I don't understand why I don't want to do anything. And then when I put it in that context, I go, oh, yeah, okay, now I totally understand why I don't want to do anything. I've been doing a lot and I'm tired. (laughs) Like there's only so much that your body, like literally that your body can handle and your, your hormones and adrenals and endocrine system and thyroid and cortisol levels and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's all, it's all been jacked up. So, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to get myself kind of just to, first of all, feel physically okay. Right. Um, and then, uh, like I said, mentally in terms of like the work that needs to be done because I still, the show needs to go on, right? Like my, my area of genius is, making these keynotes and delivering them and being on stage and sharing the information and basically performing. I mean, you saw me at UX Lisbon. So, you know, like I'm like, I'm in it to win it. Like I'm all in. And that's also a lot of energy expended. Um, But like administrivia, not so much. Mm -hmm. And so in order to actually kind of guard and maintain my energy uh my main focus right now like this month my task is is to hire a personal assistant Mm -hmm. so that my energy only goes towards the things that i love and that i'm really good at and that feed me and then all the things that drain me that i just simply don't have the mental or physical bandwidth to do that somebody else could do it and that that's their area of genius right? That they're just like, oh my God, are you kidding? Like, I love sending out emails and following up and organizing all your shit. Like, I want to do all of that. And I'll be like, I love you and I will do anything for you. Right. I'll do anything for you. Right. <laughs> so yeah. that's my goal. That's how I'm handling it. Yeah. So being able to realize just when you're at a space where your energy can't go to these other things. It can't. It can't. I mean, I, I, sorry, I'm interrupting you. No, um, I just, but um, Sunday, I literally woke up. Like I had done, I overexerted myself on Saturday. My body was like, I hate you so much. And just to show you who's boss, I'm going to make it so that you can't do jack shit on Sunday. <laughs> and I was like, what? And it was like, watch this. And so on Sunday, I got, just was dragging myself around the house. And I talked to my mom. My mom was just like, you've got to listen to your body. And you just have to rest, just rest. And I, so I, it was hard, but I did it. And I rested all day Sunday. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then Monday, I felt like almost normal again. And yeah. so then Monday, act, acted a fool on Monday. And clean the house 
And then today, dragging myself around, and I was like, oh, "There's got to be, there's got to be a middle, <laughs> got to be a middle." <clears throat> yeah, there's something, there's something between zero and a hundred that we haven't found here yet, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I think there's this number called fifty. I've heard tell of it, but uh, I think it's, I think it's all mids. I, I think just, it's all. I gotta believe. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you sharing that story because I think that that's someone who is as successful and smart as you are doing the things that you're doing to share uh -huh. that with the people listening to this. I, I have to believe a lot of people can relate. And even myself, I mean, you know, it's uh, how, how sick is it that sometimes when I feel exactly like you were saying, like my body was punishing me for it, I almost take that as a challenge right? to myself and I go, yeah, well... Watch this. I can yeah. do. I can Leia. do more. Yeah. You, like, you, no, no, no. <laughs> you think you're done? Watch what I can do. I can do like amazing things, and then your body's like, "No, I'm, I'm telling you that you need to stop." Like I, if you, cause like I'll have this thing. What I, what I tell myself when I'm having these moments where I like, I have these moments where I literally will be like, "I don't understand why I'm so tired. Yeah. Why am I so tired? Like I should be." You know, it shouldn't, I should be walking briskly to the store from this far parking space that I did on purpose so I could walk more, you know? And I'm like, why am I not walking briskly? And then I'll have these moments where I have to, like I say, if you had the energy to walk briskly, you would be, like, if you could, you would. Like, you're, you're not making this up. Like, you're not fabricating the sensation. Yeah. If you had the energy to do it, then you would do it. The fact that you don't have the energy to do it means you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Like it's this like weird, you know, logic that I have to like remind myself where I have to say the reason you can't do it is because you don't have the energy to do it. And so don't try to do it because if you could, you would. Yeah. I mean, I think it's this, this very like weird, <laughs> elusive balance that we all constantly have to get better at recognizing, but, you know, mm. unfortunately, so many of us aren't able to recognize that until we're like mm. knee deep in the shit, right? Where we're like, right. oh, yep, I know what this is and I should have backed off, you know, 72 hours ago or whatever it was. Right, right. And um, yeah, I, I should have stopped at, at hour one or hour 1.5 of my great gardening project sure. instead of at hour sure. three or four. Sure. Well, <laughs> and you know, I almost wonder... Because one of the things we talked about early in our chat, Denise, was hmm. you know ha having dinner with a friend as an example. It's like if you've got these other things, if you have that that three sixty life, right? Like that whole life where there's there's something else pulling you away from that. Hmm. Maybe being better at recognizing, well, I could keep going, but I'm mm -hmm. going to force myself to stop to go to this other thing. Mm -hmm. How much mm -hmm. that helps. I mean, that's, I, that is really helpful. And then, and then also I think, you know, a lot of times I, I think too, with kind of like the industry that we're in and stuff like that, we, we deal with, you know, I think we're in this industry because we have this kind of analytical side to ourselves. And so then it's also really important to think, why, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Not like, you know, I should, again, that word should, but like, I'm doing this because doing this is going to help xyz thing you yeah. know doing this contributes towards this doing this is going to like i'm actually at the point where i was actually reading stuff about burnout and it talks about halt you heard of halt 
I'm not familiar with halt. So halt is you need to make sure you're not too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Hmm. That's a big deal. Right? That's a big and deal. I, and I can't remember. I, I'm, I, I, I want to I say that the A is for angry. Maybe it's just because I've been like, you know, frustrated with life lately. <laughs> or, uh, I'm angry as hell all the time. Right? All the time. Just mad. Just mad. But, um, but I think, um, I think it's, uh, I think that's what it is. Halt synonyms. Halt, uh, hunger, anger, loneliness, tiredness. Boom. Yeah. Well, it's almost like that Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like the mm -hmm. base level of that. Mm-hmm. It actually it is, yeah. but it's so it totally is. So it's like you need to recognize your body's needs. You need to recognize your emotions. You need to recognize your need for companionship and social interaction. And then we circle back to body's needs again. Sure. Right? Sure. And a lot of times I think we kind of in general as a society and kind of like what you were talking about is that we don't recognize halt and we try to push through it, right? We try to work through it. I'm hungry. I'll, I'll eat in a couple of hours. Nope. Nope. You should be eating right now. I'm, I'm angry, but I'm just going to, I'm just, I'll deal with it later. No, you should probably deal with it now. I'm lonely. Well, you know, like you go hang out with so-and-so later on then, and I'm tired. No, no, no. You just rest, rest in an hour. You can, or my least favorite, my least favorite thing that people say, and pretty much every time they say it, I want to shoot them, which is, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I'm like, well, you're going to die like really soon with that attitude. <laughs> like you're, you're literally shaving years off of your life by not sleeping. That's horseshit. I, don't, I, don't. I look like I'll sleep. I'll sleep when I can enjoy the fact that I'm sleeping. I'm going to sleep right now when I'm tired because naps are amazeballs. No, that's, you know, uh, a thought that just popped in my head through the conversation we're having around this, Denise. Yes. Um, do it early. Whatever it is you're feeling you think you need, do it mm. early. Don't do it when you know you need to. Do it early. Do it before mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And certainly don't do it when it's too late. Yeah, because then you need way more. Yeah, and then you're trying to make up for a deficit, which is essentially where I am now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things when, uh, like I said, recognizing it and then kind of just being in tune and in touch and saying, okay, at least for me right now, it doesn't seem like an untenable situation, right? Like I'm like, help is on the way. I'm going to hire this, this personal assistant, going to get caught up with work, you know, delegate a bunch of stuff start operating back in my zone of genius that'll probably give me energy you know that'll probably feed me a bunch and start to fill up my cup mm -hmm. and um and then i can you know kind of get back to a normal place and then i can start to supersede that and up level right so i'm optimistic i'm hopeful and optimistic about the process oh i am as well you you're Thank quite you. You're quite a force to be reckoned with, and I don't have <laughs> I don't have uh, any hesitations of knowing that you will get back to where you need to be, where you want to be, and even farther. 
Oh, um, you're very kind. I appreciate the vote of confidence. Well, you don't need my vote. I know you're going to get there, particularly <laughs> the fact that you wrote the book about it and how to get us out of this right? stuff and get out of our own way to be more creative. That's um, true. You know, we're coming up uh, sort of on the end of time here, and I want to be respectful I... of that for you, Denise. You're very kind. Um, is there anything that you want to share with folks listening to this episode that maybe we didn't talk about today? Yeah. So, um, so a couple of things. Um, the first thing is, um, I would love to be on your podcast. Like anybody who's listening, who's got a podcast, I'd love to be on your podcast. Please reach out to me and uh, let me know. Also, if you are working on a conference or anything like that, I would love to keynote your conference. So please reach out to me for that. And if you're doing work in companies and you want to bring in somebody to do creativity trainings or workshops, or even actually what I am delving into now is starting to work with people who are leaders and also high achievers. And so sales teams and stuff like that for those groups, managers, also those groups to start learning how to manage and deal with their inner critics so that they can actually start doing even better work than they've already been doing. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I would love to talk to anybody who um, is interested in bringing me in to do that work. I would love to do that. Um, and uh, please check out my book, Banish Your Inner Critic. It's on Amazon. Uh, I have a website for it, but you might as well just go to Amazon. Um, buy it and make sure you leave a review. Yes. Reviews are a big to, deal. It helps spread the word. Yeah. And spread the word if you liked it and everything and post about it and all that stuff. And uh, you can get in touch with me at denisejacobs.com. And my email address is denise at denisejacobs.com. Very straightforward. Fantastic. We're going to have links to all those things in the show notes as well for anybody who's interested and wants to, wants to catch up with these, check out her book. I highly encourage you to do so. You know, I know I said I was going to wrap this up and so guilty pleasure. I'm no, sorry. This is, this, okay. is, this is kind of selfish. The one thing you said there, I think is really a big deal in helping people who are already high performers or like high position figures at their companies or organizations do that work better. Right. That's, that's such a big deal for me because a lot of times when I work with teams and I, and I try to help people, mm -hmm. right? Because I find myself working outside of Aurelius. I find myself working in a lot of like highly strategic efforts, right? Right. And so I work with these teams and I say, hey, listen, the people who are sitting at those directors, senior directors, VP, executive level roles, mm -hmm. they have the same hangups you do. Dude! They have the same challenges you do. They have the same need and craving for answers to do the right things that you do. Yep. And guess what? You have huh. the power to help them get those answers. Mm -hmm. That's why we give a shit so much about what we're doing at Aurelius, by the way, mm -hmm. is because everybody's the same. We're all trying to just figure out the right thing to do because by and large, we all care. There, mm -hmm. there's, there's just generally not malicious people working at those levels it's generally just that they that, generally speaking right <laughs> it's just that most of the times they they have to put on this act or this show that i know the answer and mm -hmm. maybe they don't and that's mm -hmm. okay and we can all get there together mm -hmm. well so so one other thing that i wanted to mention which is um 
this is what's going to be primarily what I'm going to be writing about in my next book. Mm. Uh, I'm going to be talking about what I am currently calling the inner critic paradox, which is that the more successful you get and the more achievement you reach in a lot of ways, the stronger your inner critic becomes. Yeah. You would think that it would be less, right? You would think that it would like get quieter and quieter, the more successful you are, but in fact, it gets stronger, it drives you more, you are more afraid of making mistakes, more afraid of being found out, imposter syndrome, trying to do things perfectly, maybe putting things off and procrastinating because you don't want to make a mistake. You may have a fear of failure or fear of success, upper limits problems, and then you may drive yourself to burnout. Yeah. So these are all things that I'm going to be talking about in the next book and all things that I'm going to be working with more with people um, in terms of with workshops and, 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 and talks and things like that. Yeah. That is fantastic. Imposter syndrome was the first thing that came into my mind when you started talking about that. Mm-hmm. Big it, time. At every level. And and so I, I think your inclination is dead on, dead on, that it increases only the higher up the ladder, you know, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. go. So mm-hmm. if it's not already obvious that you should check out Denise's book, <laughs> if you're at an organization or you're at a person in a position where you feel like you can use this help, you should definitely be reaching out to her because again, if it's not already obvious, maybe re-listen to our discussion (laughs) and get keen on that idea. Um, Denise Jacobs, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with us today. This has been wonderful and insightful. Oh, thank you so much. It's just been an absolute joy to talk with you and just riff back and forth. This has been really fun. I agree. I've, I've had a lot of fun myself. All right, everybody, Denise Jacobs, um, this has been an awesome conversation, and we will see you next time. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving us a rating on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to our podcast. And also, you can fill out our podcast survey where you can let us know if someone awesome that we should have on the show and even tell us about the things you would want to hear about, topics that are interesting for you. You can check that out in the show notes or on our website. Thanks for listening to the Aurelius Podcast, the show where we talk with brilliant minds about user research, UX design, and building great products that meet the needs of real people and what you learned about them. Aurelius is a user research and insights tool for design and product teams. Aurelius helps you add, tag, organize, search, and share all of your user research notes and customer feedback insights to figure out what you learned faster and easier than ever before so you can make awesome designs, products, and features. Check us out for a free trial at AureliusLab.com. That is A-U-R-E-L-I-U-S-L-A-B.com. Or find us on Twitter at AureliusLab. We'll see you next time.